Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Just heard that touchdown call right there from Brent Musburger. Talking about touchdown Raiders. Can you believe it? Well, you won't hear that at all next season. Brent Musburger tweeted out earlier today that uh, he thanked the Raiders for his time as the play-by-play voice, and now he is on to some other things. And there's a lot of conversation that's been going on already across Twitter. I've heard a lot of people speculating on, oh, did the Raiders move on from Brent? Did he retire? He only had a three-year contract to begin with. Let's just go ahead and put it out there. He only had a three-year contract to begin with, and he actually did four seasons with the Raiders. So he actually did a little bit more than his contract uh, You know, was actually lined up to be to begin with. And so... Yeah, there you go. Uh, you you always knew at some point that the Raiders were going to move on and, and get another voice, and uh, he was going to be kind of that transition voice from Oakland to Las Vegas, and so um, now they'll have another guy, and I don't know who it's going to be. A lot of people have asked me, hey, who's going to be the guy? Who's coming in? Who's you know who's the new voice of the Raiders? I have no idea, but it's just one of those things that happens. Transition happens. You know, change happens, and that, that's what it is. So found out that news about Brent Musburger earlier the, today, and so I've uh, been a lot of conversation about uh, the voice of the Raiders, the current voice of the Raiders now, not the current voice of the Raiders, and who's going to take over. So, of course, we'll talk about that throughout the course of the show. Matter of fact, that'll be uh, part of the show topics that we have on today's show. But uh, excited to be here with you on this Friday as we head into the weekend. I'm anticipating a really good weekend. Excited about some things that we have coming up over the weekend uh, that have to do with the Raiders and uh, being able to bring to you on Monday. And just a little um, programming note. On Monday, all of the shows, the morning tailgate, of course, uh, JT, the brick and myself will all be broadcasting live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. So we're going to go uh, really hard in the paint. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be media day out there with the Raiders. So hopefully we'll have some really good guests on the show. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get a player here or there. I, we, we're not guaranteeing anything. Maybe we'll get a coach. Who knows? But it's always good to have media day out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. So that's going to be on Monday. So uh, just kind of put that into your into your notes. And, and that means that it's going to be a long day for DeMond on Monday because you'll be here at the studio. Oh, I'm excited for it. I didn't know that <laughs> Monday was media day. Yes, 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 it is. So excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, as I said, anytime we get a chance to be there and all of us be there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and broadcast out of the studio, the the podcast studio that they have there. And when I say podcast studio, some people probably think like, oh, just a little studio. No, the studio there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center is awesome. It is a really great place. The very first time I ever did a show there, I went home and thought, now, how can I take that? And put it in here. <laughs> you know, I am still waiting to go. I am itching and clawing. Hey, Q, what, can I get there? Because every time that you guys are there, I have to be here. Right. But one of these days. That's right. You're going to take that next step. Soon enough. 
Soon enough, young man, you're going to get there. But uh, no, it's a, it's a lot of fun. So we're looking forward to that on Monday. Can't wait to do that. But hey, we got to get to Friday. We got to do Saturday. We got to get to Sunday before we can get to Monday. So coming up on the show today, got a couple good guests that we uh, plan on getting to. Nate Geary, he's, uh, he does the Bills pregame and halftime show. Going to have him on the show at 2.30 to talk about Daryl Williams. And why am I talking about Daryl Williams? Because he's a free agent right tackle right now. He's basically one of the main guys that a lot of Raider Nation is thinking that with the Raiders' newfound salary recap space that they need to go out there and get well my big question about Daryl Williams not that I disagree and think that he's a guy that they shouldn't go get but it's June 3rd why is he still available now there's you know there's there's multiple reasons why guys are available I mean Ndamukong Sue is, is available a lot of guys want to you know still go out and get him a lot of Raider Nation is like hey go get that guy he's still available there's a lot of still there's a lot of players that are still available but I just kind of want to know what he does really well in Nate's opinion what he doesn't do so well, he played, he's actually started the last two seasons with the Buffalo Bills. He played more guard than he did tackle. So we'll get, you know, we'll just kind of break down Daryl Williams because, again, I think that he's the guy that most of Raider Nation thinks that if they're going to go out and make a move for an offensive lineman, that's the one to go and get the, the make the move for. I'll say this on a side note, though, when it comes to offensive linemen, and I was trying to get uh, Zach, Zach Cox on the show as well today, but he's, uh, he's out of town. He's a little bit busy. He had put out a, a, a piece talking about Isaiah Wynn, who's been playing with the the Patriots at the right tackle position, he hasn't been showing up for OTAs, and he thinks he's a potential trade candidate. So I I, I started putting the two and two together. I started kind of connecting the dots and thinking, wait a minute, he's a potential trade candidate. They have someone else playing that right tackle position that they're pretty high on right now. Maybe there's something in the works that we don't know about. You're right, because all this post-June 1st, it's always been who can we sign? Who who can the Raiders sign? Right. All that good stuff. But it hasn't been. I haven't heard any callers, any text. What about a trade? Right. Yep. I mean, and Zach put out the tweet earlier. Could Isaiah Wynn, who's been absent from voluntary OTAs, be traded before the season? Tackling that and more in this week's Patriot Mailbag. And uh, just it, he brings it up, and he talked about the fact. He said, you know, he mentioned it. Uh, it's been notable to see Justin Heron playing the right tackle this spring. He's been much better on the left side in his career. Last season, Heron allowed 13 of his 16 total pressures at right tackle despite playing less than half of his snaps there. So he's uh, the, the guy who's filling in right now at the right tackle spot has been better at the left tackle spot. But that doesn't mean that the Patriots aren't looking at that. So maybe Isaiah Wynn is a name to think about as well as a potential move. You know, maybe the Patriots are trying to move on from him, and maybe that's a position, or maybe that's a guy who could fill the void at that right tackle spot. And, and as I've said many times, maybe the Raiders don't try to fill the void at all. Maybe they feel like they have the guys in-house. But I'm trying to make sure we know about everything that we can. You know, I'm trying to make sure that we talk about as many different people as possible. Yesterday, and from all the reporting that I've seen from everyone who was out at, um, at the OTAs, yep. Alex Leatherwood was exclusively playing right tackle, right? Yes. Yes. Yes, he was. He absolutely was. And, you know, it, it, it could be a coincidence, but I don't think so. You know, Adam Hill mentioned it when we had him on the show yesterday. He said, look, we've been out there twice, and both times Leatherwood's playing the right tackle position. I think that they're giving him every chance to earn that spot, and that's fine. I don't care. If they go into the season with him at right tackle, that means that they feel like he's the best guy for the job. I don't want them to give him that job because that's the only option. That's my concern. If they feel like that's the only option, that's a problem. But if they go out there... They go and address it. They go and bring in a veteran or two and compete for it, and then Leatherwood wins it. So be it. Cool. You got the best guy for the job, and you got some quality backup. That's the hard thing to decipher with this team because we don't know how well he's performing for their standards, right. and they're not going to come out and tell us. So it is just that that tit-for-tat 
do we know how good Alex Lillard was going to be upcoming for this season? But I do feel like if they do not bring in a Daryl Williams, they feel he's ready. Right. Exactly. And, and or or they just feel like, hey, you know what? We're going to roll the dice with him. You know? Oh no! I don't, no! 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 I don't want them to just say that. I I don't want them either to say that. I don't think anybody wants them to say that. But that could be the case. How many times have we seen a team just say, "Yeah, I know that that might be an area of weakness, but we we think that we can we can make it work." Because there's always the coaches that think that they can make the guy better than he is. Oh, we can scheme around. I mean, it. how long did Gruden think that he could turn Nate Peterman into something? I mean, that's a perfect example. Every swing and D in the league knew that Nate Peterman was only a guy. But John Gruden thought he could make him the guy, right? I mean, how many times did he give him a, a, a contract that was actually a really sexy contract for a third-string quarterback and kept him on the roster? You know what I mean? There, it was, Shout out to him. Yeah, it was just it was crazy, right? Everyone w- wondered, what does he see in Peterman? Only thing I know about Peterman, still to this day, the biggest thing that stands out to me about Peterman is the five interceptions he threw in a half of football. That's all. That's 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 the only thing I need to know because I didn't really see too much more from him after that. What did he do in preseason? He ran the ball pretty well. Used his legs a little bit. Oh, that's cool. But what did he do with his arm? Nothing. Nothing. But there's always a coach that thinks I can get the most out of that guy. I'm so smart. I can make that guy good. I mean, look, Josh McDaniels the first time. What did he do? He drafted Tim Tebow in the oh, in the first yeah. round. You know what I mean? Like, there's always, and, and Kirk Morrison told me this when we were at the Pro Bowl. He said there's always coaches who think that they can make players play outside of who they are. At the end of the day, a player is who they are. You know who they are. You see what they're capable of. But there's always a coach that thinks that they can make this person better. And it's just, I mean, it's an ego thing. And, and we all have them. We all have egos. But we all think that, you know, we can make something better than what it really is. You know, oh, I can make this look good. No, it still doesn't look good. <laughs> you know, so that that could be the scenario. That could be the, hey, they, they're, this, this coaching staff believes that, oh, I can get the most out of the guy that the last coaching staff couldn't do. And, that, and maybe they can. Maybe they can. I like that. I like that point of thinking rather than he's not our guy, so let's move on from him, though. Right. Because we've also said, hey, none of these guys are the new regime's guys. Right. So they would be quick to move on from him. Right. But I do like the idea. Maybe Brasillo's looking at Alex Leatherwood like, no. I can make this guy a good right tackle. Right. Or at least he can make him a good offensive lineman. Right? It doesn't necessarily have to be a tackle. He's got to be at least a good offensive lineman. When you see where he was drafted and the expectations are that he's going to be somebody. So I think that they have good plans for him. I think they like his size. I know that they love the fact that he played all year last year. And I think that that's a plus for him. He got that experience that you can't teach. He he just he got it on the fly, like Coach Priscilla said yesterday. You know, just throw throw Dylan Parham into the into the deep end and, and hope he he swims. I mean, that's what he said. So that's what happened with Alex Leatherwood. He was thrown into the deep end and he he swam for a little bit. He drowned a little bit and then he swam some more. So I mean, that's that that's kind of experience that you can't teach. So that's a good thing. We'll just see where it goes. Personally, I think they still need to bring some outside outside talent in. And, and let him at least compete for the job. So that's why we'll talk to Nate Geary coming up at 2.30 about Daryl Williams, who's the free agent uh, offensive lineman from the Buffalo Bills. Then at 3 o'clock, Cassie Soto for the Review Journal. Uh, she was out there at the OTAs on, uh, on Thursday. She's been out there each and every week. We'll get her thoughts. We talked to Adam Hill. We'll get her thoughts on what she saw, what she's looking for, what she thinks of the offensive line, uh, all that good stuff. We'll, we'll talk about that. Brent Musburger being out now as the, as the play-by-play call of, uh, of the Raiders. We'll get her thoughts on that. And just, I mean, just everything. We'll pick Cassie's brain. Uh, we always like to talk to her. She's, uh, she's really fun to talk to. And, and, of course, she knows her stuff. So she'll join us at 
3 o'clock. So those are two guests that we have on the show today. Of course, Raider Nation, we want to hear from you as well. 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Now that you know the guest is coming up on the show today, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So I got two questions that I want to throw out there to you. One, I already had a question lined up about the, the offense in the red zone in particular, and then also we found out the news about Brent Musburger. So we'll start with that one because that's kind of a fun Friday-type topic, right? I don't know who the Raiders are going to bring in. I've said that multiple times. People have hit me up and, hey, Q, uh, who's, you know, who's going to be the guy? Do you want to be the guy? No, no, no. And, and the reason is that is such an art. That is such an art. That is one of the toughest jobs ever is being a play-by-play voice guy on the radio. And the greats are really great at it. And Brett Musburger, you got to give him his flowers. He has had a fantastic career. I'm not a big fan of him as the Raiders play-by-play guy because it's not – it's not personal. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference. It's, it's He's great in the profession, but he's not a guy that I think of and think, oh, Raiders. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know what you mean. I think, you know, like, I, I think Greg Papa and I think Raiders. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's, that, was my, that was my wheelhouse growing up. I hear touchdown Raiders in my head. I think, I think Greg Papa. Even now, as he's a play-by-play voice for the 49ers, I still think Greg Papa. But that's me. That's just me. Beth Mowens. I also think Raiders because she, you know, she was able to do a lot of the preseason games. So I think of her all the time. And whenever I hear her, it's so funny. I'll be watching like right now the the Women's College World Series is going on right now. So I have ESPN on in my house all the time. And all of a sudden we'll be in the kitchen. The wife's like, is that Beth? Like she'll hear her voice and know that that's Beth Mullins because that's, in my opinion, that's my friend. You know, so I listen to her all the time. When I met Beth Mullins, it was crazy. This is, this is, I mean, this is how funny things happen, Damon. I was doing the PA announcements at Baylor softball. Just a side gig. I just wanted to make a little bit extra money, right? It's like 50 bucks a game. So I was like, okay, that's cool. Seven innings, whatever, I can do that. And so I was doing these games. Well, ESPN had the broadcast of a Baylor uh, softball game. And all of a sudden, I look over in the booth next to me, and there's Beth Mowens. And at that time, I had a backpack that had a Raider symbol on it. So instead of saying anything to her, I just picked up my backpack. I knocked on the glass. She looked, and I just showed her my backpack. And then all of a sudden she said, just win, baby. Like she yelled, just win, baby. And then I talked to her, and that's how we became friends. But that's how I met her. I took a picture with her, tweeted it out, everything. I mean, it was like that was like one of my O-blank moments. That's Beth Mowens. She does preseason games for the Raiders. Like that was really cool to me. And I don't, you know me, I don't geek out over, over, over people. But Beth was that, was, that was, that was my people. And to this day, she's been my people. When, when I saw that Brent, you know, was, uh, wasn't going to be back, I texted her immediately. Hey, you got my vote. My vote. She didn't say no. I will say that. <laughs> she didn't say no. She just said, "Hey, there's a really good women's college world series going on right now." I said, "I know. I'm watching." But you still got my vote. <laughs> you know? That's so funny cuz I would love for you to educate me because I don't know who are the play-by-play people out there that are steeped in the Raider tradition that right. are Raider fans, I don't know. So Beth Mowens is another candidate that you say. Are there any others that you can think of? Off the I top mean, of your head? everyone else that has Raider history is all all retired, right? You know, and so I know Rich 
is a guy that I've seen a lot of people talk about, but he's not really a play-by-play he guy. He does color. He does color, right, exactly. So I don't really know who you'd put in that spot. But I saw so many people say, oh, Q, you should do it, or Harry Ruiz, you I should see, do I've it. I've seen a lot yeah. of people saying you And I was, like, I was like, look, man, I would never even disrespect that, that job like that because that is a hell of a job. That takes so much. And you know how I am when it comes to, to prep work. I prep my tail off. That is a prep job. Yes, it is. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I'm behind the board and the microphone now. I did two seasons of UNLV radio play-by-play nice. play for football, basketball, and baseball. Right. And it was just – it was daunting. Yes. It is so hard. When you're looking and you're, you you got to spot the marker, you got to know, hey, hey, was he tackled outside at the 46 right. or the 47-yard line? There are so many things that go into running play-by-play. You've got to get the pronunciation of names of yes. people you've never heard of right. coming from the opposing team. That was something that would make me oh sweat. My I've got gosh. to say this name of someone that I just I just seen it on a sheet of paper right. today, right. and I don't want to butcher it. And there's it. nobody there to tell you how to pronounce it. Dog, as I was doing PA for Baylor softball, and there would be a tournament. Like I would know all the, all the, the girls that were on the home team. That's I'd know team. all their names because that's their team, right? No doubt. I knew all those. But let some other team come in that was a small school that didn't have an SID there to help me break down the names. I don't know what the name was that I said wrong, but basically I said, oh, man, I hate that I forget. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I I think I – I don't know. I, I called her. Obviously, her name was wrong, right? And so finally somebody from the team came up and was like, hey, her name is pronounced like this. It was like the fourth time I had said it, and she was like, the only reason I'm telling you is because – all the teammates are, are every time you say her name, they all go bah. Like I was calling her Lamb or something like that. Oh, okay, okay. You know what I mean? So so they were calling her that. So they noticed it, but it was like the fourth time I said it. And they didn't say anything the first three times. And then finally they're like, Oh, hey, by the way, you got her name wrong. Well, why did you tell me that the first time? Or you get the angry parent. That's the worst. The angry parent will come at you and stand outside the window and yell at you. That's not how you say her name. Okay. I actually, I experienced, I told the story before on the show, but I've experienced the angry coach because I was thrown in. My first paid gig was the Duel in the Desert Tournament. Yeah. 2017 women's basketball. Hey, it's paid. I'm going to be there. And I accidentally said the UNLV, my home school, I said the women's basketball coach name wrong. And she comes up to me. She's like, hey, are you the guy doing play-by-play? Yes. And she's like, she rips me a new one after the game. And it was just, it was scary. That was your you, school, though. Yeah, yes, it was. I'm a UNLV guy. So you got UNLV wrong. Yes, oh, I, you can't I, do that. I, yeah, you can't I know do that. they can't do. It. But now you didn't have to get yelled at. They could have just passed you the message along, like, "Hey, by the way," but they don't never react like that. It's always anger. Exactly. And here's the other thing. Everybody knows I'm short. So you got a <laughs> six foot tall woman beating down Look here, on shorty. <laughs> exactly. Get my name right, little dude. <laughs> I felt so small. Wow. And I apologize profusely. That is hilarious. So, uh, yeah, man, that is not – I'll tell you what, man, that is a fine art. And when you can do play-by-play and you could do it at a high level like Brett Musburger did for the all his career and many others like Greg Papa does currently, like King did, Billy King did before. I mean, there's so many that have come before that are just great. I mean, there's some that – and this is the thing with, with Papa, and I realize he's with the – you know, with the 49ers now, and I know it's a, sh- a sore subject, but for me growing up, when I was living in the Bay, the the, the games were blacked out unless, you were, unless the game was sold out. So you couldn't see it on TV. So to watch the game, I had to not watch the game. I had to listen to it on the radio. And so Greg Papa was the voice that I heard. And when I sat there at the house with the radio on and I could see everything that was happening on that field, 
without actually seeing it, I knew that he was great, right? Because he described it so well that I felt like I was sitting in the stands and I was watching the whole thing. Last night when I was driving home after work, I just sat in the car and listened to the NBA broadcast on the radio. Sore subject. (laughs) Sore subject. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. But Doris Burke was just great calling the game. She's fantastic. And it just made me, because I was locked in for Doris Burke. Right. Because I'll be honest, I don't think Mark Jackson's the best, but I do like Mark Jackson. I like Mark Jackson. I like him, but no, he's not the best. But the way Doris Burke, I love her personality. Mm -hmm. And I just sat in the car for for an extra couple minutes and was just like, hey, bro. You can go inside and watch this game right now. Right. But it was just like, oh, the next time they go to break, I just wanted to listen to yes. her call the game. When you can hear somebody break it down and and they break it down so well that you can see everything, that's when you know that they're great. So with that being said, Raider Nation, I know I've talked about it in great length, but what are you looking for? I'm not even necessarily saying who are you looking for, but what are you looking for? Because, again, Brett Musburger, to me, was never a guy that was a Raider. You know what I mean? Like, the when I thought of him, I didn't think, oh, he's the Raiders play-by-play guy. Like, when I thought Greg Papa, I think Raiders. That was just because that was what I grew up with. So, what are you looking for? What would you think is a, is a requirement? What would you think is a priority to have? You know, and if you have someone that you think is a suggestion that you want to throw out there uh, as a suggestion to be the next play-by-play voice, you can go ahead and do it, but I'm not, I'm not putting that on you. But me personally, I think since they're now in Vegas, here at Allegiant Stadium, I think now would be a really good time to get someone who is young, up and coming, and they also, you know, have some kind of connection with the team. You know, just make it more personal. I'll give you a perfect example. I know a guy who's very interested in the job, who wants the job really badly. When I saw the Brent Musburger uh, news, I I sent it to him in a text. Jason Fitz. Jason Fitz from ESPN that job he would love that job we went back and forth and had about a five or six text message exchange this morning about it because he would I mean he's told me multiple times how much he would love to be the play-by-play voice of his favorite team does he have play-by-play experience he does he's done some play-by-play a matter of fact him and uh, Mike Golick Jr. did some work together before uh, Gojo actually left uh, ESPN but yeah they've done some work together he would be a guy that would love it and now I'll tell you I haven't heard his play-by-play but I, I know Jason Fitz, and he's professional at everything he does. He's a professional when it comes to mu- music, professional when it comes to radio. So there, to me, would be no reason why he wouldn't be professional when it comes to play-by-play. I honestly, I did, I had no one in my mind of like who could do mm-hmm. this job, who has like that. I'm a Raider fan. I love the Raiders, so I would love to do the play-by-play. But you saying Jason Fitz, that was the perfect snap for me of just right. like that's who deserves the job. Young that's guy, who I would love to see do it. Young dude, he's got Las Vegas roots. He's from Las Vegas. Boom. He's a Raider fan. He's been on the highest stage as far as ESPN. Hell, I just did a show with him on Memorial Day for the for the flagship for ESPN National. I mean, we did a four hour show together. You he know, was great. It was fantastic. So I know that he's a professional at everything. I would have no problem with him being the guy. Also, I'd have no problem with Beth Mullins being the guy, like or being the being the person. The, the obviously she's not a guy, but being you know the play by play voice, I would have no problem with that. I think that she does a fantastic job, and she does. Football, she does basketball, she does baseball, I mean, she does softball. She she could do anything. I mean, she's really great at what she does. So I'd have no problem with her either. But uh, there's plenty of people out there that could be candidates. You know, I, I'm sure that, that the Raiders probably have a good idea of what direction that they want to go. But if you have some, not someone in mind, but kind of some some prerequisite, you know, some kind of thoughts on who you'd like to see as far as what they are. Are they a Raider fan? Are they someone that has ties to the team? Or is it just someone who's really good at the, at, 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 in the business? Like I know my, my man uh, 
uh, uh, Mickey said uh, Gus Johnson. I saw him tweet at me and say Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson's fantastic. Gus Johnson's also doing Fox games on TV. Right, exactly. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because a lot of the greats are tied up in, in, in contracts right now. Yeah, because you say, Mickey said Gus Johnson. My first thought was Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan's fantastic, I but know. Kevin Harlan does the Super Bowl. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kevin Harlan's got some good things going on, right? I think he's working on some things. He is, he is fantastic, man. Even talking to him in a, a Super Bowl setting, just at the Super Bowl in an interview on Radio Row, I mean, he, you could just hear it. You can, it's like you can capture the interview. You can see what's going on just by him talking to you. He's so great at what he does. I love Kevin Harlan. It's the voice. He's the guy. Yeah. That was one of those. Him and Bruce Buffer, it was just a pleasure to hear them in my ears. Like, the guy that I watch or listen to, it's like, oh, my God, he's on our show. Right. Yep, exactly. So, uh, yeah, want to know from you, Raider Nation. Hit me up, 69187, keyword R&R. That's a Sam and Ash text line. Let us know what kind of person you're looking for. Are you looking for someone young that can grow with the team? See, that's that's one of my thoughts. The team is is fresh here in Vegas. Obviously, there's only been one year with fans in the stands. Why not get someone that's young that can grow with the team and be with them for a very long time, right? I mean, we all knew. Look, Brent Musburger just turned 83 the other day, you know, and no disrespect to him, but you knew when they signed him that it was going to be short term. You know what I mean? Like, I knew that for a fact. Hell, he had retired already. You know, he's got VEASAN under, uh, uh, on wraps. I mean, he's got a lot of things that he's working with. So you knew that it wasn't going to be a long-term thing when it came to the Raiders. So I always wondered, and I remember I asked Beth in an interview I did with her like three years ago, right after Brent got hired. I was like, well, hey, you know, the team's moving to Vegas. You have any interest? And she's like, well, they have a really good person in there right now. So she's never, ever told me, no, Q, I'm not interested. Because I continue to push the issue. But how, how cool would that be for the organization? You know what I mean? The, the Raiders, the first team that hires a, a woman CEO, you know, has an African-American head coach, has a Latino head coach. All these, all these groundbreaking moments that the Raiders have. And, oh, by the way, we're going to employ a full-time woman voice of the team. Because she's done preseason games. She's done a regular season game for the NFL, for ESPN. But she's never been to full-time play-by-play voice for an organization. I think that'd be great. I think that'd be awesome. And it would be so on brand for the Raiders to, to, to go ahead and, and hire her, especially with the ties that she has. She's done play-by-play with Matt Millen. She's done play-by-play with Rich Gannon. That was the crew, Matt Millen and Rich Gannon. It doesn't get too much better than that, right? I can see Beth Mowens and have Lincoln Kennedy side-by-side side and then have Q <clears throat> on the sidelines. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> I've been telling anyone who will listen that I'll, do, I'll be your sideline guy. So you're still angling for a job, but just yeah. have to play by play No, job. I don't want to play by play. I, I don't want color. I'll, I but you. I'll do sidelines. I'll walk up and down the sidelines. I'll get my steps in. I don't care if it's wintertime, summertime. I'll, I'll handle it. I can be your sideline guy. I don't, I don't want nothing to do with the booth. I just That's just not, not my bag. But uh, we'd love to hear from you, Raider Nation. Let us know. 69187, keyword R&R. Don't call us yet because coming up next, Nate Geary, Bill's pregame and halftime show host. He'll join the show to talk all things Daryl Williams, the free agent right tackle out of Buffalo. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. You know what today? Here's your boy Q. We were talking about Brent Musburger. Not being the voice anymore of the silver and black. I've had a lot of response. Aaron tweeted at me and said, Q, I'm with you. 
I grew up with Greg Papa, and I love touchdown Raiders. I love when you would hear it in the stadium. We need to bring back that passion again. Makes it fun to listen to. That was the question I threw out there on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. What are you looking for as far as skill set? What are you looking for in the next voice of the silver and black? Not necessarily a name, not necessarily a person, but just traits, what they can do, what they do really well, bringing that passion like Aaron mentioned. Uh, Hit us up, let us know, send us a text. And if you want, you could also send us a text to ask our next guest. That's Nate Geary, Bill's pregame and halftime show host, does a fantastic job on WGR 550. And Nate, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate you. And before we get started, want to talk some offensive line, Daryl Williams in particular. Uh, What do you look for in play-by-play? I mean, you do pregame, you do halftime show, so uh, you know a thing or or two about the pregame. But what do you look for in a really good play-by-play person. Hugh, good to talk to you again, man. Appreciate you having me on. Um, pre-game, uh, being in the pre-game and being in the broadcast booth, we have John Murphy uh, for the Bills, who's been the voice of the Bills since Van Miller. And for me, Van was sort of the voice of my childhood. Um, you always, it, you know, as much as I appreciate the new age of radio where you have HD radio and the sound is so crisp, it's so pure, um, there is something to be said about missing the days of like the old analog where it really didn't have that crisp sound. It did kind of have that like fuzzy, wasn't super clear, but there was nothing like kind of hearing the voice of your favorite announcer sort of break through that, uh, that connection. And I don't know for me, man, I- I'm just looking for something unique and being in Buffalo, we talked about man team uh, this year, who was the voice of the Sabres since their inception in 1970, retired this year, and that's a, literally a guy that's been announcing for the Sabres my entire life. <laughs> um, that is a hard thing for me, being a Buffalo fan and, and just being a Buffalo sports fan, because I just had consistency from the time I was born, and, you know, when I was young and a sports fan, I've always had sort of the same voices, so I've never really been asked or thought about, like, what the requirement for the new guy would be um, until now. So it's kind of a, it's a unique question for me because I'm kind of thinking about it myself with the Sabres. And it's, for me, it's just always sort of having that unique sound, bringing the energy. Um, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, Q. I kind of don't like where modern-day play-by-play guys have gone, where it's more of a discussion and you're talking about stuff and like you're kind of having a conversation throughout the course of a game. I really like the old school play by play guys that are telling you how it goes, mm-hmm. you know, playing and play out, giving you the, that insight. So for me, I'm kind of looking for guys or gals that are kind of bringing it back to the old school where they're actually a play by play person and less of like a conversation artist. No, I agree. I agree 100%. And that's what I was saying about Greg Papa, who's now actually the voice of the San Francisco 49ers. But for me growing up, similar to you, I mean, he was, he was the voice. He was the guy when, remember when football games were blacked out if they wasn't sold out in your home market right. yeah so i couldn't watch raider games because they weren't officially sold out on time so i had to listen to the radio and i knew everything that was going on i could see the field because of the way that papa broke right. it down that's the signs of a great play-by-play person 100 percent, and i feel like it's a lost art nowadays like you know when i watch the nba finals like Mike Breen still really has that classic play-by-play announcer feel. Plus, he brings the energy. He's got his own. Like, everyone knows the Breen call, right? The bang call. And yeah. I, I think for me, going back to that, 
to the, you know, kind of back to basics a little bit. I think it's kind of a cliche, but going back to basics and finding that unique sound, that unique thing that makes it you, um, I think is super important nowadays. And I, it's, it's a lost art because radio isn't necessarily the go-to anymore when you want to watch a game. You know, you're going to go to TV. Right. You can play it back on a streaming service. You go to YouTube. There's so many places to watch the game now where, you know, for us for a long time with the Sabres, like Rick Jenneret was doing both, right? So while you were watching him on TV, he was still announcing for the people that are at home listening on their radios. And I feel like that I would like to sort of go back a little bit to that where, you want people that are only listening to feel like they are watching the same product someone who's actually physically watching the game is. I'm with you 100%. That's a great breakdown. Again, we're talking with Nate Geary. He does Bill's pregame and halftime show. WGR 550 does a fantastic job at Nate Geary Sports on Twitter here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Damon's got a question for you. All right, Nate, I'm glad that we're having you on the show because then I can sneak something in that I wanted to talk about. Be careful now. That we weren't be able to talk about on Radio Nation Radio because it didn't fit. Ryan Fitzpatrick has retired. Where does he rank for you yeah. on all-time Bills quarterback? I know he's not number one. That's that's Kelly. But where does Ryan Fitzpatrick rank for you? It's a good question. So, you know, obviously it was short-lived, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick's career here. It was kind of in a really weird time to be a Bills fan. Um, sort of the midst of the drought, right, the 17-year playoff drought. He sort of, and, and the two years that I really remember – you know, he at home, the Bills are down 21 nothing to the, to the New England Patriots. That's prime Brady Patriots, uh, reign over the AFC, in particular the Bills. I think Brady finished his career 33 and 2 against the Bills. It was something absurd like that. But there was a game that I was at. This was before I was on radio. I was just, I was still in college. He brought my college roommate to his first Bills game. And I remember them coming back from that 21 hole deficit. They come back and they beat them in that game to go 3-0 and in the season. Now, they didn't make the playoffs that year. The end of the rest of the season didn't really go as planned. But that was the time where I kind of realized that Buffalo had fully embraced Ryan Fitzpatrick when I saw grown men. I was trying to explain to my roommate who had never been to a Bills game, like, he's like, Nate, like, why are there grown men crying after the third week of the year, you guys beating the Patriots? I'm like, listen, it's a long story, but the Bills don't beat the Patriots. And this is the first time in a really long time that, A, they kept it competitive, but, B, they won. And I think it was really that moment that encapsulated um, kind of and, and really enshrined Ryan Fitzpatrick in, like, Buffalo sports lore forever. Now, where he stands in the all-time list, I think, is a really interesting debate. It's an interesting conversation. Probably, like, fifth for me, um, which is, you know, kind of tells you the state of history <laughs> of those quarterbacks when – when the ultimate journeyman is like, you know, top five in, in, in Bill's history. But I'm going to say, you know, Kelly, it's insane that Allen has already probably eclipsed Joe Ferguson at number two. Um, but I'm going to give uh, Josh Allen the number two spot, Joe Ferguson, number three. Um, I don't feel badly putting Ryan Fitzpatrick four, um, which, again, I think is a, a, a tough way to admit that the Bills have not had really quality quarterback play at all. Uh, over the course of the uh, you know the organization's history. There you go. Hey, you know what? I'm just impressed that you were able to answer the question and break it down like that. I give you all the credit in the world for being able to break that down. When Demond asked you that, I looked at him like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> you know, all I know, <laughs> all I know that Raider Nation knows about Ryan Fitzpatrick. All they care about is what he did as a Miami Dolphin at the end of the game at Allegiant Stadium when he got his helmet just about ripped off by Arden Key. Still found oh, a way yeah. to complete that pass down the sideline. The Raiders eventually lose. That's what Raider Nation thinks of when they think of Fitz. 
Fitzpatrick, and that's not a happy memory. <laughs> Just no, saying. But listen, Q, like, the reason that, you know, like, he retires as a bill, right? Like, the Buffalo Bills put him on their wire as retiring with the Bills, and that tells you a lot about, like, he's played for a lot of teams since he played for the Bills. He was at the uh, wild card game against the Patriots, with his shirt off in the 300 level when it was one degree with negative 15 degree windshield, <laughs> shirt off while he was still under contract with the Washington Commanders. That should tell you everything you need to know about Ryan Fitzpatrick and the city of Buffalo. We are forever connected, even though he's played for, you know, 50 NFL teams. <laughs> he's played for everybody. Right. That's hilarious. I love it. Again, we're talking with Nate Geary, Bill's pregame and halftime show host, WGR 550. You can find him on Twitter at Nate Geary Sports. Now, the reason I hit you up, I wanted to ask you about Daryl Williams. He's a guy who started every game the last two seasons for the Buffalo yeah. Bills. He's an offensive lineman, versatile, can play tackle or guard, but he's still available. The Bills didn't bring him back. He's a free agent. Why? How come they chose not to bring him back? So, you know, Brandon Bean, the Bills general manager, um, last offseason, um, really, or I should say two offseasons ago, um, gave Daryl Williams an extension as I think he really solidified the offensive line for right tackle position. The two years prior, his last two years in Carolina, obviously has the ACL injury, and I think he came back and was never truly right, but then was playing at left guard, right guard, right tackle. He's kind of getting moved all over the place. He really struggled his last year in Carolina playing left guard. It was just not a position of strength for him. He was still kind of coming back from that ACL injury. So the Bills got him on a kind of flyer one-year deal. The Bills really needed help at the right tackle position. It was a natural fit, and they thought, well, let's see if we can't get Darrell Williams back to that, you know, perennial top 15 player at his position. And I think they got that out of Darrell Williams at the right tackle position. And then, and then it was the emergence of Spencer Brown last year, the Bills' third-round pick out of, uh, uh, out of Northern Iowa, that I think really that, that bumped Darrell Williams down to right guard. And he played fine. Um, I thought him and Williams together, Williams and Spencer Brown together on the right side, was kind of a really big athletic. They were road grader. That was really the side of the offensive line that, that I thought was the best run-blocking side of the offensive line. But I just think that at right guard, they paid him as a right tackle. And when you move down to guard, he had, I think he was like top seven, top eight in terms of right guard money in the league last year. And let's face it, guys, he just was not that type of player at the right guard position. He was replacement level. Now, if he can kick back to right tackle, I do think that he is a starting caliber tackle left in this league on the right side. The versatility, absolutely. Can he bump down in a pinch to right guard? Absolutely. I would not be banking on him being a guy that you want 17 games out of at the right guard position. So at this, at this rate, I do think you can get Darrell Williams at a really good deal. The question is, is he playing right tackle or is he playing right guard? Because if he's playing right guard, I think you really kind of want him in more of a depth role. If he's playing right tackle, I think he can give you very quality, very average play at the right tackle position. He won't be the weak point of your offensive line, I guess is where I want to go with that. So, you know, I think for the Bills, they were really happy about the emergence of Spencer Brown. He's young. He is one of the most athletic offensive linemen to come out of that draft last year. He had a 10 RAS score, um, a perfect 10. Like he is one of the most athletic guys I've ever seen at the position. Six foot eight. Uh, he ran the same three cone drill 
time, that's Stefan Diggs ran. Mm. To give you an understanding of how athletic he is at the right tackle position. Um, and I think that really opened up things for the Bills' offensive line when Spencer Brown took over. So it's not a knock on Darrell Williams. I just think that based on him at the right guard position, they wanted somebody that was a more natural fit, especially in the run game. Well, you know, it's, it's funny, and, and I, I really have no problem with anything you said. I actually think that it would be a good addition for the Raiders to, at the very least, just bring him in for competition because right now they have Alex Leatherwood, who they drafted last season early at 17, to be the right tackle, but they eventually kicked him in the guard. It just wasn't working out. I think that this new regime is going to give him a shot at being the right tackle, but this sounds like Daryl Williams could give him a nice run for their money uh, at that right tackle position, let the best man win, and if it happens to be Williams, kick Leatherwood back to where he was at guard. And listen, I think at the offensive line position, just across the board, all five positions, you, I just, in the NFL, you cannot have enough average quality guys that can play snaps for you in a pinch. The Bills learned that kind of the hard way last year, early to start the season. This was how they learned about Spencer Brown, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's a third-round pick. I don't think there was a lot of expectation that he was going to be playing meaningful downs. And then the COVID situation with Deion Dawkins, their all-pro left tackle, um, you know, he ends up really struggling out of the gates. He was definitely talking about uh, earlier on in the season how COVID really hurt his stamina and his ability on the field. And there was a couple of games early that season where they sat Dawkins down and put Spencer Brown in the game. And I think what that did was give a glimpse of what the athleticism and what the actual application of him in the lineup would look like. And it just it just made it, it made Daryl Williams um, you know expendable. Right. But this is a team that was rotating in and out at the guard position. We found Ryan Bates that he could really play the guard position after Ike Botker goes down with his torn Achilles tendon in that Tampa Bay game. Ryan Bates all of a sudden gets you know is a guy that plays all five positions, but has never really started any games to being a guy that gets offer sheeted by Chicago this offseason. The Bills have to match it, and he's now going to be their starting right guard. So. What it shows you guys is the guys you start the season with, you guys talked about Leatherwood getting bumped down from tackle to guard. You, you realize very quickly if you do not have a number of at least average starting caliber players at the offensive line, you're in trouble. And the Bills, they go out and they sign, now the name's going to escape me, uh, Quisenberry. <laughs> yeah. He's starting right tackle last year for Tennessee. Now, he's not going to start for the Bills at right tackle. But I'll tell you what, if... Spencer Brown, if Deion Dawkins goes down, they have a starting caliber tackle they can insert into the lineup. I, I just think the NFL, people talk about how the NFL is a, is a quarterback league and there's just not enough of them to go around. I could make the same argument about offensive linemen. There, is just not, there are very few teams right now, guys, in the NFL that have five really good players they feel very comfortable with across the offensive line on their team. And I think it's a problem across the league. You can't have enough good ones. Nate, you're making too much sense. You're making just way too much sense. I mean, <laughs> hell, hell, we need to send this message on to all the front offices across the league. And, hey, man, get your offensive line right. But, no, uh, in, in all reality, man, I mean, you're, you're spot on. And, and I, again, that's another reason why I think Daryl Williams would be worth the Raiders at least kicking the tires on, seeing what he's, he's asking for, seeing what he's looking like, and, and possibly bringing him in for, at, at the very least, some competition. Again, we're talking with Nate Geary here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions. How about this? What do you think he excels at? Do you think he's a better pass blocker or a rush blocker? It's a good question. Um, I think at this point in his career, he is a little bit better, especially if he's playing guard, getting down the field as a run blocker. He's a big guy. I mean, he is really big. When he got bumped down to guard and it was he and Spencer Brown next to each other, I mean, that is an intimidating size. Spencer Brown's 6'8", 
he's six six. I mean, th- those are two monsters on the offensive line on the right side. So, at, for me, at this point in his career, he really, I think, is a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. He just does not have the foot speed to keep up with some of the guys and some of the the end speed, the edge speed in the league. You know, guys like Miles Garrett, mm-hmm. um, you know, Von Miller, those bendy, quick. Uh, around the edge guys really gave him fits at right tackle. He's a he's a capable pass blocker, but if I were to to kind of pin what what part of his game he's best at, definitely run blocking for sure. There you go. Well, uh, that's a great breakdown of uh, of Daryl Williams. I know he's out there and available. The Raiders just uh, came into some extra salary cap money post June first, so uh, I don't know if they're going to go out and make a move, but I think that they should provide some competition. And that's a guy that I would definitely look at. Nate, fantastic stuff, man. We got to do this more often. Great breakdown. Uh, what do you got coming up? What you working on these days that we need to be on the lookout for? Yeah, so I got my normal Saturday uh, afternoon shows at WGR 550. Um, that, as we get closer into training camp, uh, which I'm going to be looking forward to here mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. Um, I can't believe it's already here. It's already <laughs> June 1st. But once training camp comes, I got a lot of great content coming out at WGR550.com. I also have a podcast that I do, a video podcast, every Friday night uh, with my buddy uh, Bruce Nolan from Buffalo Rumblings. It's a food and football podcast. Nice. It's a little niche. Uh, I'm a big foodie, so I talk about food. We talk about football. Um, so check that out if you get an opportunity. You can follow me at Nate Geary Sports on Twitter. And I'm just doing my thing where I like to troll Dolphins fans because they're easy to, to troll. So, Hey, so i got to ask you. I know you're in Buffalo. <laughs> bone in yep. or bone list wings? No such thing. Oh, gosh. Well, I, I love that cue. There, that is true. There is really no such thing as a boneless wing. In my opinion, it's a chicken nugget. Exactly. And they're great. I love chicken nuggets. Don't get <laughs> I love them, um, but for me, it's bone-in, and I am a drum guy through and through. I think flats, luckily, my girlfriend, which is why we make, listen, a lot of Buffalo relationships are made on whether or not you're a, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, a drum or a flat person, so my girlfriend's a flat. She only eats flats. I only eat drums. We're a perfect match. That is perfect. Um, so, for me... Flats are just, they're always soggy. They're never crispy enough for me. Uh, so I'm a drum guy through and through. I am with you. I'm with you 100%. My, my son loves the flats for some reason. I don't know what it is, but I'm with you. Uh, drums for me all day. So uh, fantastic stuff, Nate. Hey, man, keep doing your thing on the pregame and halftime show. Uh, I know it's a lot of fun, and it'll be here before you know it. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon, my man. My pleasure, guys. Anytime for you, Q. I appreciate you, man. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your weekend. Absolutely. You do the same. There's Nate Geary right there. Does a great job on the Bills pregame and halftime show. You can find him on Twitter at Nate Geary Sports. What a great breakdown, right? Not only does he talk play by it's fantastic given the conversation we've been having today, but then also breaks down Daryl Williams. And so Raider Nation, let me hear about it. 69187, keyword R&R. You heard what Nate had to say. You can also call us at 702-365-9200. With the knowledge that Nate just gave you on Daryl Williams, do you think he's a guy the Raiders should bring in? Let us know about it. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Many thanks to Nate Geary. Bill's pregame and halftime show host just joined us in the last segment to talk all things free agent, offensive lineman, Daryl Williams. Fantastic stuff from Nate. What a great breakdown. And uh, just the whole conversation that we talked about, uh, play-by-play voices, and uh, he talked about what he looks for in play-by-play voices. I've already told you what I've thought about and what I think about in play-by-play voices. And of course, Greg Papa was my guy that I grew up with, but I know. I'm very well uh, aware. And and we had a, a young man call in as well, Damon. Uh, yeah, Raider Lloyd called in, and he... 
he wanted me to pass along the message, but I already know that you know all this, but he was actually informing me about the Greg Papa situation because you talked so highly of him. Yeah. So why isn't he on the team? And he filled me in on all that about like some hey some disparaging marks and right. all that and all that good stuff. He got a little squirrely on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> that, and, yeah that's basically what he Raider got Lloyd a little squirrely on the radio and said some things he shouldn't have said. Because it was one of those things like, hey, Raider Lloyd, I will pass along the message to Q, but you're helping me out actually. Right, right. I don't know why he's not with the team anymore. Thank you. Exactly. And look, uh, again, I'm a big Papa fan, but I realize that there's certain things that you just can't say. There's certain things that you can't do, and he's gone there and done that. But that doesn't mean that his talent's not appreciated, and I think all of Raider Nation appreciates his talent. But yeah, I realize that there's not a chance that he's coming back unless all of a sudden, you know, him and and, and, and MD decide that they, uh, you know, want to bury the hatchet and call it a day. But I don't see that happening. But let's go out to the phone lines right now and talk to our guy, ABA Ivan Davis. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, can you hear me? I'm on the bar train. Yeah, it sounds like you're underwater, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. But uh, as far as the announcer, uh, we're talking about, uh, I'm a big Bill King fan. That's actually yeah. who Greg Papa modeled his thing after. Right. Remember me telling you about going back to the 1976, replaying old Raider clips on the radio show? Yep. That would that that leave perfectly. So, I mean, because Bill King, not only was he super descriptive in what he did, but man, I mean, touchdown Raider. <laughs> you yelled too, just because he did it. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, I was, why he took him so long to get into the Hall of Fame? I have no idea. NFL films still play his clips after all these years. I mean, Bill King is long gone. After all these years, they still play. You'll hear one, one or two of his clips. That's how good he was. And he was the model standard for me coming up. You know, again, then Greg Popper came after me. Right. Yep. Okay. And so, uh, but that, I mean, that, I mean, that's how they actually teach it in school is to be descriptive like that. So you have to be the eyes of the viewers because they can't see. Yeah. And people who do that the best, as far as the conversation, you can have a conversation. Just keep it about the, about the particular game of the sport. Right. Right. No, I, I got you. Thank you for the call. I do appreciate you, my man. Be safe on the BART train. But uh, I think what Nate was saying as far as conversation is a lot of people have, you know, a lot of them are doing simulcast shows where they're doing radio and TV at the same time. So you don't have to narrate every single movement that happens on TV. You know what I mean? On TV, we get to see that, and then you can provide the, the, the conversation as well. Whereas the radio, it's like you want to know where everyone's lined up. You want to know where they're at on the field. You want to know if there's, if there's dirt. You want to know if there's a cat running across the field. I mean, you want to know every single description, and that's what the greats, like Kevin Harlan, does a fantastic job. And some people are great for radio. Some TV. Not everybody is great for both. So that's why uh, that's what Nate was talking about. But uh, thank you for the call, my man. I do appreciate you. I'm going to attempt to get on the show today. I'm not guaranteed that's going to happen, but I got my guy out of Central Texas, Ward Whites. He is a play-by-play dude. Like That was a guy that I did a lot of play-by-play work with. We're going to get him on. I'm going to try to get him on around 3.30 to actually break down what he does when it goes into him preparing for a, a play-by-play uh, broadcast because he does a fantastic job. That's where his pride lies. So I'll try to get him on the show coming up at 3.30. But coming up next, Cassie Soto from the Review Journal. She'll talk all things Raider OTAs. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.